thank you so greatly. I feel like at home already. I feel like I'm among the friends. So I'm not here by accident, yeah? You're not here by accident. We all are here not by accident. There's a divine purpose behind with all of us being here in the presence of the Lord. The best punch, knockout punch that he can give to the devil is being here. Yeah? <laughs> all of you, in spite of the nagging headache, the problem, desire to stay in your bed, and this cold Addis Ababa morning, you made it here. So you know what that means? The best black eye for the devil. <laughs> so oh, you all gave him that, yeah? Some of you had a problem, yeah? All the problem, you weren't sure to be here or not. You dragged yourself out of the bed. In spite of the bad hair morning, <laughs> which some of us don't have to worry. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> But you're here. So there is a purpose. You know, life is all about coming to your post. Life is all about showing up. This is a word I got from uh, one of the cinema people, the strangest and weirdest New York fixture, Woody Islands. Somebody mentioned about the movie night, the brother here. So Woody is like just a very strange guy with a lot of cultic kind of nature and a lot of following. He said one time, life is all about, 98% of life is all about showing up. When you show up to your post, there is something that happens. And in spite of feeling sick or weak, in spite of being confused, when you show up to your post, Something happens. Some of you are here in spite of all the things that wanted to drag you down. You just showed up. By that, you give the devil what? The black eye. <laughs> the best, you know, uh, knockout punch. So we keep showing up in spite of the surrounding, in spite of the darkening of the world, we just show up to our marriage show up to our responsibility, show up to our day, there is something special that's going to happen. Hallelujah. Give a big shout to, the, the, to God. Thank you, Father God. You're here. Because we're here. Thank you, Father God for uh, a purpose that you have for all of us. For the destination that you destined for all of us. And we believe and trust the word will take us there. And we are ready for your spirit to unpack what you have for us this morning. Amen. Coming here to the homeland was a family of five. You can imagine how many luggage and bags and carry-ons we can have. So we had more than 10, right? So yielding to some people's wisdom and my own unfortunate experience in the past, it could be outlier. So we decided to have a, a keylock to our box, okay? So before boarding, you know, we have to do that. Then I went and bought a lot of uh, key locks. Was uh, this time I decided to have a, the one with combination, right? So instead of having like ten codes, I decided to have only one combination. You know, it makes it easier, and we don't have to carry the keychain at the same time if we use combination. We arrived home next morning. We started to unpack, to unpack, we have to kind of unlock, yeah? All bags but one refused to open, even though we had only one kind of combination. So I, I tried my best, you know, then the more I try, 
the time was like running away. I had to attend my older sister graduation from Bible school. Then the American way of solving kicked in. I said, you know what, time is more important. You know what, let's cut this thing off. And I asked people, okay, just give me the metal cutter so we can cut the, the key, yeah? That's the American way, fast. <laughs> then uh, while they're searching for the metal cutter, I had to go to the graduation. It's a typical Ethiopian graduation. Everybody talks, everybody, you know, everybody. <sighs> then came back home. Then I said, okay, bring me that metal cutter and let me do my magic, huh? Then uh, my, my wife's mom said, you know what? You don't have to worry, it's already open. I said, wow, how did that happen? As soon as I left, my mother-in-law, my mother, called one of her handyman and told him the problem, the saga with the combination. He said, no, 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 you don't have to cut. All you do is sit down and try all the numbers. Patiently sit down and try it. Then you'll find out the number that the combination that can open the key lock. She sat down patiently, then tried every number. Then she heard the clicking sound. The magic happened. She cracked the code. <laughs> she cracked the code. So this morning we're gonna talk about how are you gonna crack the code to unleash the blessing into your life, okay? So for that, let me ask you to go to Judge chapter six. We're gonna pick up from verse one and we'll talk about it. Are you ready? Are you ready to find the combination? Are you ready? to crack the code. Are you ready? So, it is a work, a lifetime work, because if we cannot crack that code, if we cannot find the way we can unlock the blessing into our lives, then our Christian existence can be meaning, meaningless. So. Let's read. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Th that's a bad move, huh? Already. <laughs> that is a bad, bad move. What did they do? They did evil in the sight of the Lord, as, as if they forgot the history, the story about Joseph. They're not too much removed from, the, from that historical account. They're very aware about the man called Joseph, Yasuf, right? He did something because he didn't want to do what they did. When he was presented with the opportunity to jump the ladder by doing something evil to change his life, to change his environment, Joseph said, there's no way I can do this in sight of the Lord. You are okay? You are okay, but I'm not giving up the relationship, the relationship and love I have with God. And he refused to do evil in the sight of the Lord. A few years into the historical making, these people arrived and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Then there's always consequence. Look at. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Wow. And the hand of the Midian prevailed against Israel. So there's no vacuum in the universe. You know what? There's no vacuum, even though some people claim every universe has some, at least some particle in it. Space is occupied, yeah? Space is occupied. When God departed, then these people are exposed to another occupation, which is median, 
right? You cannot imagine or think about there's empty space. A space needs to be occupied. In this case, as soon as God left, because they did evil in his sight, in his eyes, then come misery. Then comes problem. Then comes crying, hopelessness, fruitfulness, not bearing fruit. So that space had to occupy. And when that happens, you saw somebody comes to rip, yeah? But the reverse is also true. Whenever God is with us, we take over what people are worked for, yeah? But in this case, as the story unfolds, the Israel, the people of Israel, they were doing their best to prepare harvest. They were doing their all to succeed. They were doing everything in their power to achieve the struggle. The moment they think they have arrived, things happen. Everything crumbles. The moment they think, okay, we have all our harvest, we're going to enjoy the labor of our work, these people come and take it away. So in this morning, if you have this pattern in your life emerging again and again, when you work so hard, when you do everything that you can, the moment you think the time has arrived for your rest, the moment you think the time has arrived to enjoy the fruit of your labor, if that thing vanishes as a Christian, I want you to pause. Then you need to crack the code, right? Then you need to unpack. You need to find the reason why. And the reason why I'm saying is before deliverance, comes repentance. Is that right? Before your visitation comes to reality, you have to go to the cross to find out the reason why everything you work so hard goes away without you enjoying. Why somebody comes and takes over the work that you have done all your life. When that is the constant emergence and pattern in your life, brother and sister, I encourage you, pause and go to the cross that's what happened after seven years after seven years of misery these people decided finally to do what we need to do because before deliverance before your visitation before your promotion before your abundance peace engulfing you, taking you over, there comes repentance. Let's see that. You know, uh, we can find that uh, in verse 6. Let's start from uh, verse 7. And it came to pass... When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Let me pick up from 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the midnight. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. This is what we call the right move. The verse, verse 1 was the bad and the wrong move. Yeah. After seven years of misery and struggle hopelessness they decided to go to God and that's just how they cracked the code yeah then verse 7 said and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of midnight that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel God sent who all right, my Bible does not contain his name. Gosh, Peter, knowing you, how you 
devoted all your leadership process and calling to make sure that every village in Africa and its spoken language have the good news in its own language. Maybe you know a little bit about this guy. Can you tell me his name? You don't have his name. How about you, Pastor Z? You know, pastors have a special Bible. It doesn't contain? Wow. Is that a surprise? Don't you think? Especially with current condition where we are as Africans. Yeah? A name, a prophet without name, without being called major prophet so and so. It's not that surprising, yeah? The prophet making sure, you know, the church elevate his picture and his name without the, all the medias announcing his name into his emergence into this critical history of Israel. A prophet without name. You know, I had an interesting experience like Paul in chapter 17. You remember Paul had that experience when he was walking around in the streets of Athens. He was looking around and his spirit got like so distressed. When I was like driving and in Addis and in marketplaces, city centers, I see all this good looking young man, their pictures elevated so high, then with their name, major prophet, so and so. How did we get to this point? As Africans, as Ethiopian church, how did we get to this point? <laughs> this nameless prophet got picked up by God in that critical juncture, in that critical time in, in Israel's history. Right? This amazes me. I want us to reverse back to this point. Let our work, our ministry speak for itself. Let people say, oh, I didn't know he was a prophet. He was walking around as with prophetic anointing and ministry without claiming the name and the title. Of course, Africans, we are so crazy about title, yeah? Even when I introduced to people, my name is Samuel, they were like, you know? They get like, as if I, I sinned, <laughs> yeah? We enjoy calling ourselves and people enjoy putting themselves up there and claiming all the names, even to the point where we got to this day calling prophet a major prophet. How did we get to this point? If you went to Bible school, you know what the major and minor prophets are. It is not the status. You know, some, someone, some of them are classified as minor. It's not less of the anointing. It's the time they covered, the topic, the ground they covered. That's just indication for theologians to understand who they are, not the anointing. All right? Some, are, some of them are major, like Isaiah and Daniel. Look at the years they covered, the ground they covered. So for us to understand, we name them major prophets. It has nothing with their anointing. So we pick up something here from here and there, just we passed, you know, just cut and paste them. Very, 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 you know, I get emotionally and spiritually distressed when I think about this. You remember one of the guard at the... At that critical time when Jesus was dying, what he said? He said, truly, he was uh, a son of God. While he was dying, while he was gone, he said, wow, he was really uh, a son of God. Let people say, if you have prophetic manifestation, don't claim the name. It doesn't do anything good for you. Maybe, you know, in this society, you can generate some finance, but it's so cheap. Yeah? Just be who you are. Go out and send out. 
Do the work God called you. Avoid all these unnecessary, you know, titles. Most of them are, if, you know, I know a little bit about prophetic ministry. All right? First of all, there is no prof- prophetic ministry without prophetic lifestyle. Right? That's very expensive. <laughs> the prophetic lifestyle is very expensive. It's not cheap. It costs you everything for you to align and tune with the heavenlies. You cannot be prophet somebody by spending your time in the cafes. There's nothing like that. Okay, we are lucky if we have one prophet in the whole continent of Africa. All right, don't quote Ephesians, you know, chapter two. I, I, I did my Greek on that book, I know. Okay, what Paul was, you know, saying in that verse. All right? The big thing is, the prophetic ministry is not divorced from prophetic lifestyle. All right, you gotta walk according to the word in daytime and nighttime, in the weekend, Sunday, and Monday. It costs you everything. Look at this prophet. He has no name, but he has the word. Nobody knows who he is, but God picked him up, yeah? Then when he arrived into the scene, he delivered what God has sent him. You know, that's how you know people are really prophetic. When they say something against your wish, against your desire, against what you wanted to hear, those people may have some, some prophetic kind of sense, even though I cannot call them prophets. Everybody can prophesy, yeah? That's the New Testament church, the freedom we have. When we gather together, some people have prophecy, but they're not prophet. Okay? Don't get me <laughs> go there, okay? I got to piss myself. So, God raised this man, unnamed prophet, sent to, to the people. So, you see the crack? They cried out. All right, they returned back, they went to the throne, they said, we give up. You know, sometimes you, you pray and fast for days, weeks, even months. There are some problems, they don't go away. Sometimes you vigorously condemn the devil and rebuke to leave you alone, but that problem persists. When you encounter that kind of condition, on top of emerging patterns of failure, while you're living your life, that's the time you go to the cross. You say, you know what? I'm done. I give up. And that's just how you crack the combination. These people already did that. God sent them the best gift the unnamed prophet, all right? It's amazing, you know, in, in our personal life, in group life, whenever God starts coming into our space, you can see the progression of things, yeah? You know, revival always follows repentance, all right? Real visitation always connected to the repentance. The people, when they decide, okay, we have done, we have made the noise. We have done all the jumping around. We have labored. Sometimes we get tired when after worship and we sit down. <sighs> after all this, when you say we're done, we did everything what we thought would crack in the combination, but now we come to you, we go to the cross, all of a sudden you start, the prophetic ministry start revealing itself. You start people's life being taken over. God start occupying the space again. This is the progression we see in this story. After the prophet coming and challenging the people of Israel, it is you who left God. God is, was always and is always there. In order for you to find him, 
as Pastor Z told us, you know what? Return. He's always there. You are the one who turn your ways. You wander around. You worship false God. Now it's time when you turn back, you find him right there in the place you left him. That's the challenge the prophet gave to the people. Have you done everything to solve your problem? To get answer for your questions? Everything after all you have done, one thing left is just to return to God. To go to the cross, empty yourself, allow the spirit to search you and the word to read you, not reading the word. When you allow that, there comes that the cracking sound, the opening, the unlocking of your blessing. Most of the time, you know, the, the, the prophet comes out of that kind of repentance lifestyle. And after the prophet emerging into the scene, there comes miraculous spiritual manifestation. That's exactly what happened. Let's read that verse. All right. Uh, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tabernacle tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged to Josh the Ebizrite, while his son Gideon threshed with, with in, in the wine, wine press. So you see the progression, how God is taking over your space. God is taking over your time. God is taking over your thought, your mind. You can see the presence emerging into your existence, whether it's your business, your professional engagement, whether you are in a school environment, you can see God is emerging now, taking your space, coming to your human time, your place. Because the combination is found, yeah? It is cracked. This is what happened. Following the, prof the prophet challenging Israelite comes the angel of the Lord, comes this manifestation. And he went to a specific spot, yeah? You see how God is taking over? He's coming to you now. Are you ready? He's going into your space. He's emerging into your time. He's getting involved into your plan, into your business. Whatever you do, he's coming. That's what he did. He arrived in that spot. That's historical spot, historical time. God has started to invade. Why? The combination has been found. You cracked the code. I can assure you, brothers and sisters, this is, this is about to happen for some of you. You have tried many things, but you turn your face to the living God. Now, things will start coming around, coming together. Things that you have worked so much and achieved so little, gonna get its fruition now. The message I have for, for this church and for African and the world church revolves around Gideon. When you think about Gideon, the first thing that comes to you is always how fearful he was. That's not the case. That's not the Gideon the Bible depicts. He's mighty. When you think about it, he's the only one picked by God, when you ask why, you find the reason. The first reason why God went to Gideon was he showed up to his life, his assignment. And in spite of the problem, 
And in spite of the invasion, he didn't wait for tomorrow. He didn't say when things come, come, when the situation becomes conducive to my, my calling, then I will emerge. He didn't say that. Did you see anyone other than Gideon doing what he was doing? No. This is the reason why God picked him. He just showed up instead of, in spite of the Amalekite. And instead of all the problem that his people gone through, he's not fearful. He's giant. He wasn't hiding. What he was hiding was his product, his produce. That's what he was hiding. He was hiding his vision. He was hiding his calling. Is that right? That's what my Bible says. He was hiding to make sure that nobody will take a single grain from his uh, harvest. That's what he was doing. I always get amazed. How did he manage to grow the, the crop? Where did he do that? And despite, despite all the things we read about those people, where, where did he grow? How did he plant? How did he protect that? That's the reason why God picked him up. All right? God does not promote <laughs> anyone. Live alone, God. I want, I want to promote anyone who is lazy. <laughs> huh? A person always finds a reason not to do things. He had a reason like every Israelite to say, you know what? This is not the right time, huh? Maybe time will come for me to show who I am, to work toward my, my vision. Maybe when things get calm, when the situation change, now Gideon say, no, this is my time. And in spite of my surrounding, and in spite of what is going on around me, I will show up. And in spite of the Amalekite, and in spite, of the, in spite of the people of the East, Owl, and indeed who showed up? God showed up. Right? Anybody trying to give up because you didn't see God showing up into your life? I encourage you. You are about to see the biggest manifestation and visitation in your life. Just show up. Anybody giving up in their marriage because of the problem and headache, but you are still in your last leg, I would encourage you to show up. That's what Gideon was selected. All the Israelite will, while they were hiding in caves and in strongholds, everybody's just running away. Gideon did what? Showed up. Do you have a little strength, little thing left in the tank? I encourage you to show up. So, and hallelujah, that happened. God came into his life, penetrated his space, showed up in his time, and gave him another big assignment. You know, I, I'm not going to go into his dialogue with the divine, but just beautiful to read it. How God was patient, you know, alongside to, to bring him, you know, Gideon into his right place. But I'm going to give you another reason why God selected Gideon. Gideon was always curious. He always asked. God is in search of people that ask, wonder about things, you know, refuse to accept what it is now, and always connect their current to the past. Even when he talks about the past, he wasn't talking about like someone giving up on God. He wanted to connect. Okay, I know you from history. I have heard about you, what you have done in our forefathers' time. But I'm searching you now to see you in my current situation. 
That's what he was asking. Where's God now? Where's God in this situation? Where's God in our time? Because Gideon understand well, the God who showed up in his forefather's time is able to show up now. So he always look around, he seeks, he search, he asks, where's God? God is searching for those people who ask, who question. Questioning is not doubting. The people that seek, where's God in my life? Where's God in this situation? Where's God in the nation's life, in the continent life, in the current situation? This is the reason why Gideon was selected. He was always searching. He was always asking. Even when he encountered God, you can see how he was like, you know, how do I know? Yeah? You are what you are. Or how do I know you are what I think you are? Just wait. Let me go back and get something. You know, he was trying to prove he was trying to figure out really if this is a real deal. He's asking, and the biggest question he asked was the final question. You can see that later in the chapter. And he's acting like someone, uh, a good researcher, yeah? Empirical researcher. He was like taking time to examine. Do you remember what he said? Okay. I know it is you when you do this. Yeah, let's go and read. That's a very interesting story. And think about Gideon as a, as a scientist here, okay? Someone who always wanted to verify, confirm and ask. And, uh, you know, as, as the people of God, we have this freedom to ask, okay? Don't take and run away because somebody told you something, all right? Especially the, you know, whether in the name of God or just whatever, just ask God, is this you? <laughs> Sisters, if somebody comes around, say, you know what? I've seen you in my dreams, God have given me, and you are mine. Don't say thank you for consideration, but I'm going to take my time to ask. <laughs> right? Somebody comes with this. Uh, pretend sometimes prophetic revelation. Don't, don't sell your house. Don't give them your car. Don't close your business. Say, so you know what? Thank you, but I'm going to take my time and ask God for myself. So Gideon is like that. You can see this being manifested in, uh, in the word. Let's go. That's amazing. I, I really enjoy his conversation with God. And I always admire how God is so, so patient. You know, this is who God is. He always just gives you time. He waits. He doesn't force you. He doesn't speed up the process. He takes you along like a good parent. He shepherds you to your right place. Whenever there's a kind of sense of kind of hectic, don't believe that's from God. If somebody's trying to force you to do the things, that's kind of a red flag for you. <laughs> you say, uh-oh. So that's what God was doing with uh, Gideon. He was like so patient, but at the same time bringing him along uh, to his call. So uh, let's see. How are we doing? Is God good? Is the spirit is good? The word is good? Are you enjoying the word? Huh? Is he just giving you that kind of nagging sound now? Just give him a, a nice, nice hallelujah. Huh? <laughs> All right. So... Verse, uh, I like this one better. So he is a man always curious and ask, and he's not afraid to ask because there's no wrong question. That's what I always remind my students. 
No wrong question. Maybe I may give you wrong answer, but always ask. I'm doing some teaching here in Black Lion Hospital. Sometimes I feel like after three hours of speaking, I get so tired. The students are so meek. They don't ask. They don't participate. They were like, I am like, just ask. <laughs> ask anything. Ask anything. So let's go to verse uh, 36. Verse 36 through verse 40. Pastor, do you have do you have it? Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me just one more, make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. Oh yes, <laughs> that's Gideon. Huh? He's like a scientist trying to rule out all this, you know, confounding variables. <laughs> Anybody's a scientist here? <laughs> Do some research. He's trying to make sure their internal and external validity is accurate, yeah? Okay, the first time it can be done by accident, all right? He's verifying, yeah? He's asking because he's asking God, the God who has all the answers. I always encourage people, ask God the biggest question you have. All right about life about your experience some people say no oh, you don't you don't want to ask God so who are you going to ask yeah we have this saying oh don't tempt God don't ask <laughs> do you think that's just the biggest thing God will have a problem to answer if you have anything difficult anything unmanageable anything unanswered you have to bring it to god at least yeah people say yeah i ask god still about my my sister passing i always try to find where's your glory in this because i trust god because i love god he gave me that freedom i always enjoy my my girls at certain age all of them we have three beautiful daughters amazing daughters god has blessed us and at certain age they all of them three of them used to ask the same question whenever their toy get dismantled and broken they carry that and come to me saying that baba fix this for them baba's all-knowing all-powerful, I can fix things, I can do anything. They have the, that freedom. All three of them, you know, when they're two, three, you know, they, they come to me with their broken toy and the gadgets. You have no idea how I feel so happy. You know, when they say, Baba, fix this. All right, some of things I can fix. <laughs> some of the things I can try. Some of the things I can do my father's magic and distract them <laughs> into something new. As soon as they depart and go get busy on something else, I turn my face and kneel down and say, Baba, here I come. Fix me. Here I come. I'm done. Fix me. So, asking is not doubting. 
Asking is trusting God. So Gideon was selected for reason. He was always asking. The third thing I'm going to say a few things and I'll, I'll stop. The third reason behind his selection is because of his worship lifestyle. If you read the story, closely you can see how his life was intertwined with worship. This is a time even his father was taken away and doing some evil things in the sight of the Lord by worshiping the false God. His own father built an altar to worship not God, but the God of the Amalekite. The neighborhood, the whole city, the whole nation was gone away from God. When you read closely and follow Gideon's story, you can see worship was his lifestyle. When the spirit, the angel encountered him the first time, you know what he did? He said, just wait here. I'm going to do something special because this is a special moment. He went back and came back with the thing that he brought you cannot do those things if worship is not your lifestyle. He did everything what the Bible said in time of Moses and beyond and after. The element he selected, the things he gathered, you cannot do this randomly unless you are highly intertwined with worship. Right? So when you think about God picking up Gideon, don't think about Gideon was selected by random, randomly, no. God was looking for, searching for people. First, the people that show up to their post in spite of the problem. Show up to their assignment in his, despite what is going on. Then the, he showed up to Gideon because Gideon was always curious, finding God in his history trying to locate where God is in, in, in his daily life. The third, the biggest one is worship was his lifestyle. He wasn't waiting for Sunday morning. Huh? <laughs> Saturday night, you know, you do your thing in the nightclub and you show up here in Monday morning, Sunday morning. <laughs> you won't be picked. <laughs> you won't be promoted. <laughs> Let me tell you. You can help me. You can, you can do whatever. If Friday night, your location, your position was, wasn't a life of worship, and you wait until Sunday you know, morning comes for you to manifest your worship lifestyle, you won't be picked by God. Just know it. Okay? <laughs> so Gideon was worshiping God day and night, even in the time where it was a fashion for God's people to worship the false God. He knew what to do. The other thing that amazes me and reveals his lifestyle of worship is what the people said after they found out what happened to their altars. Right? You know the story? The morning they woke up and found out all their altars were destroyed, and they were like, who did this? It didn't take long time for them to, so, to say, oh, we know. <laughs> we know who did this because they know Gideon. They know his lifestyle. They know how he used to despise what they were doing. They found out, they said, it is none but Gideon is the one who did this because he was worshiping God. He was devoting his life when he was producing, the, during the produced time, when he's doing the threshing, he was worshiping God. When everybody was hiding, he was worshiping God. When it was a dark time, he was showing up for his worship, right? So these are the big reasons why God was behind this man. It wasn't by accident. There was a reason for Gideon to pick. So uh, this morning, God is searching. 
God is looking around. He's watching over to pick up some of you, to promote you, to lift you up. He's looking around. Things are getting darker on the outside. The problem is getting, you know, uh, severe. Things are gone from bad to worse. So God is looking out to those of you who can stand up in this dark time to manifest his will. As I said in the morning, when things get darker in the outside, it is opportunity for the church to shine its light. When things are getting out of control, when the, you know, people have a problem and they couldn't find any solution, this is our opportunity to show who we are. But God is searching who's going to show up for their post. God is searching and looking for the people who try to connect history, his past, into their now and right here. The people that are searching God, okay, God, where are you in this? And also people who worship. Africa needs you. Ethiopia needs you. The world needs you. Ethiopia needs you. Africa needs you. The whole international community is waiting for you, waiting for the church to emerge. God is looking for those of you who can be faithful to show up to your post in spite of all the struggle and the problem. God is looking for those people who are longing to see God's hand coming into their current time, asking, where are you, God? I need you. God is looking for true worshipers, not a Sunday morning. This is corporate. This is amazing. All right? Can you imagine how this place would be if we bring all the worship lifestyle from our homes? I want you to see your life. Where are you? Are you about to give up after waiting for years and years for God to show up into your life? Are you in your last leg? Things are crumbling and you're wondering and you are questioning and doubting whether it's, it is even wise to wait another day. I can tell you, keep showing up for the Lord to show up. Let's stand up and pray. I want you to pray. I want you to seek. I want you to understand God is in search and in spite of who you are, despite your position right now, but are you showing up to that responsibility?